2: and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being here with us today. I appreciate you. I'm so glad that you choose this time. Um, (laughs) You know, I always think of uh, Mr. Rogers when I am starting this part of it, you know. Um, And... uh, I also think of the end of the Carol Burnett show where she sang the song about being so glad we had this time together. Um, You know, I really do feel that way. I'm so glad to live in a neighborhood with you. Thanks for being you and thanks for being here. Today we really do want to focus on, you know, really maximizing... The value of yourself, your time, the things that really you should be doing uh, versus the things, um, and there went that word should, we'll get into that here in a minute, but versus the things that you feel like you're supposed to do. So like I said, we're going to jump into and we're going to jump all over that should word too and really create for ourselves hopefully the beginning framework of a life that is filled with doing the things that we're meant to do. I hope that feels inspiring and appealing to you as well, because today I really wanna help you, you know, maybe even hack your own life, your business, really maximize your time, because your time is so valuable and also so important. So let's jump right into it. Before we do, i got to talk to you about my friend Errol. Oh my gosh. A billionaire. Billionaire. I was having a conversation with Errol. uh, It was a while ago. And um, we were talking about the fact that billionaires do... uh, You know, they basically don't pay for anything. Is really the basic way to say it. Billionaires think of money differently than the rest of us do. For a billionaire... Um, if they want to fly somewhere, it makes more sense to purchase a plane, uh, you know, take the flight to where they want to go, but then rent the plane out on an ongoing basis and turn that plane into a revenue stream. You know, a billionaire will invest in a hotel And then live in one of the rooms of the hotel and allow all the guests of the hotel to pay their rent, their utilities, uh, probably their food. You know, all of those things, um, you know, they maximize the power of the money that they've um, collected to be able to have a quality of life that allows them the ability to basically not have to dip into that. That's why sometimes if you've ever looked at the Fortune 500 list, what you'll see is 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 that there's a lot of those names that stay on there. And the numbers that they have either are continuing to increase or at the very least they're staying the same because they've learned a different way to look at money, um, especially when it comes to running a business. Errol has had 47 businesses, all of which... He has successfully launched and either um, sold as you know a publicly traded company or sold them to a private individual for a profit. He's forty-seven and zero in victories with businesses, um, and this billionaire wants to work with you. He wants to give you one-on-one, not just a little bit of time, but like two hours every week, plus be available to you via email. Anytime you have a question, he even said to me, and then if it's something I can't answer via email, I'll just jump on the phone with him. Imagine that kind of access to somebody with that kind of a track record and that level of experience. Now, I can tell you with having coached with Errol that, um, uh, you know, you're going to start off feeling like you started back into, into life and especially business kindergarten, and that's okay you're gonna learn a lot of things. If you're interested in being coached by a billionaire for probably less than what you're looking at paying for most of the people who, you know, maybe they maybe just broke six figures for the first time ever in their business. If you're interested in that, reach out to me, send me an email, Facebook me, Steve Kidd on Facebook, Um, you know, and let's talk about how we can effectively really introduce you to Errol and get coaching for so much less than you can even believe you can get the coaching for um, and up-level your business like literally never before. Um, Again, and the reason why I took so much time talking about the opportunity with Errol today is because everything that I want to talk about in the show today, even with the interviews that I'm doing, my thought behind them is, your time and I'll never forget in the first coaching call I had with Errol he said to me what is the most valuable thing that you have in your whole entire life think about that for a minute what is the most valuable thing you have in your entire life and there are so many things that come to mind um, you know, tangible things, houses, cars, diamonds, all of those things can, can come to mind. Um, often relationships uh, definitely come to mind. People that we value that are uh, so much more precious than diamonds um, that are in our life. But the most valuable thing, the most valuable thing that you have in your life is time. Everybody in the whole world has the same exact 24 hours in every single day. Whether you're Jeff Bezos, who is now the richest man in the world, uh, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Oprah, um, you know, even people who are only just, you know, millionaires or people who just broke their first six figures, all the way down to, you know, the people who work so hard. But don't get a check for it, you know, like your mom (laughs) Um, and people like that. Um, No matter who you are, no matter what you charge, no matter how much you make annually, you every day wake up and that day starting at midnight has the same exact 24 hours starting at midnight that Jeff Bezos has in his time. Now, if you've ever read some of the comparisons, I remember back in the day, there was one that compared Michael Jordan to Bill Gates. Um, And they put together everything that Michael Jordan, at the peak of his career, was making, both as a player as well as in endorsements and all of the things that he was doing. And then they said, Bill Gates makes that in interest on his money in like the first hour of the first day of the year. (laughs) You know, and and the point of that one was, geeks win, you know. Um, And those of us that were real geeks in high school and, you know, loved computers and all those kind of things, we love that kind of stuff. We love the validation that it gives to ourselves that all this work we're putting into this business and all of the sometimes seemingly unrewards that come from the day-to-day struggle that there really is a victory at the end of that. But here's the thing. Michael Jordan, Bill Gates, they both still only have the same number of hours in their day. Both of them extremely successful. Both of them are people that have achieved a level of success that um, in our different industries people aspire to. There are just people like that and everything you look at and, 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 and money doesn't become a part of that. But the time, that 24 hours in every day, is the same for all of them. How do you maximize while it's called today? How do you make the most out of today? I mean, my good friend Ernie Villanueva has said, and I've quoted him so many times, yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is the only legal tender you can spend. Think about that for a second. You have this 24 hours, and depending on what time of the day it is, depends on how many of those hours you've already spent today, but that's it. People go to sleep every night and don't wake up the next morning. People take vacations and that's good and you should. I think that's a way of maximizing the 24 hours of that particular day. Sometimes the best thing you can do is get away with somebody you really love and just spend every moment with them. The moment of spending time holding someone you love's hand or talking to somebody, it's so important. My mom turned 81 this year. My dad turned 80. Um, It just seems impossible even saying it that that happened. But, um, you know, like all of us, the years keep going by. Um, You know, before you know it, poof, I just turned 53. Time keeps passing by. And the older I get, the more I become aware of how important it is to maximize the time whenever I get a chance to be able to tell my mom who may be listening, I love you mom, my dad who also could be listening, I love you dad, my children possibly are listening and I love each and every one of you. It's so important to maximize today so now then we begin looking at the two elements that we always talk about on the show, your life and your business. Think about your day. Think about all the time you waste in your day. I don't know about you, but I know for me, one of the big time wasters is what ifing. <laughs> I know none of you do that, but, but I do sometimes. I'll find my saying, if only. If only I had done such and such, if only this was different, if only you have no control over those ifs, you have control over right now, can you be the best version of who you can be? Can you spend this minute the most powerfully you can spend it? Maybe the best thing you can do. I was watching a TV show the other day, and the lady, uh, you know, it was a trial thing, and I don't want to go into the whole show, but the lady was talking about how she was suffering from extreme depression, and then she discovered a song, and that by starting off each day singing that song at the top of her lungs, it changed her whole world. She started doing good at work. She started loving her life What is that thing you can do in this minute that helps you love your life? What are the solutions, the hacks, if you will, even, that help you maximize the time of now? Now, the same thing's true in our business. We often, especially when we start off our company, you know, we're the chief cook and bottle washer, you know, Um, as Susie Carter always says, we're the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, right? You know, we do it all, but as we can, we need to learn how to let go. Is it really worth your time to spend the time scrubbing the floors when you could be spending that same, and it doesn't matter whether it's five minutes or a three hour job, what could you be spending that time doing that would be the most impactful in your life and in your business? What are the time wasters that you spend so much time doing that somebody else has that skill set? Here's the even bigger thing, and this one's going to really freak you out a little bit. There are some people that absolutely love doing that thing that you hate doing. That you're forcing yourself through today because you're supposed to because you have to remember I said we were going to talk about should <laughs> you know I should do this. Well, I've said to Kathy a million times and and I'll say it to you right now quit shouldn't on yourself. should is such a horrible word because There are things you are meant to do, life goals and dreams that you're meant to fulfill, but there's nothing you should do. Those pressures come from somebody and somewhere else and they're not real. But the 24 hours that's today, that's real. And today, oh, today, Maximize all of the marrow, all of the juice out of today. Make it the best day ever. Love somebody that you really truly love to the ultimate, just the max of your capacity. Squeeze them until they squeak. You remember when your babies were little Sometimes you just want to just scoop them up and squeeze them. Or maybe you have a little puppy like I do, my little mocha. Sometimes I just want to rub that little fur ball until the hair just falls off of her. Because she's just so sweet and adorable. She's always there for more love and more rubs. Those are the things that we want to maximize our time. Giving the love, the hugs, and the kisses. Doing not the things we should, but the things we're meant to do in this world. Focusing our time, effort, and energy today on fulfilling that thing that you're meant to do. That purpose that you're meant to serve. What if you did that? What if there were some tips and tricks, both in your personal life as well as in your business that could help you do that? Well, today we're gonna talk about that. And at the end of this episode, you're gonna have some more tips on how you can live as a thriving entrepreneur. I'm ready for it, how about you? We're gonna take a break and we'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author, and now it's your turn. Let me ask you this, what would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. youthrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome
0: back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This
2: is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. I do hope that if you're interested in doing coaching with Errol, that you will reach out to me. You can send an email to askstevekid at gmail.com. You know, you can schedule a time to talk, of course, about doing your book anytime by going to askstevekid.com and scheduling a time. But I really do hope that you'll take advantage of being able to coach with Errol. So let's jump in. First, we want to talk about you. Some hacks that you can use for your life to hack your life and make it better to more powerfully maximize the 24 hours that is today. I'm ready for it. How about you? There are so many things that run through our head that create fear and ultimately make us treat ourselves badly. Well, today is the day for that to stop. Today, we're gonna talk about some of those things and help you break through to a more positive, encouraged reverence of yourself. I'm joined by Angela Gallo and she is going to talk to us about some amazing things that she's gonna teach us on visibility, authenticity, and self-exploration.
1: Hi, Angela. How are you today? Hi, so well. Thank you for that delicious intro. Beautifully said. Makes me very excited to be here. Thank you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit first about who you are and what's got you to this point in your life.
1: Sure. So the story has been interesting and kaleidoscopic and one that I have really made a conscious effort to lean into over the last 12 months, Um, really embody everything it is that I've learned in a nuance or a really big revelation of sorts within probably the last 10 years of my life. And everything that has unfolded, has come from one iota of of catalyst in the realms of self-expression. So the ways that I have fought for that self-expression, the ways that I have fought to allow myself to be seen by myself, the ways that I have quite literally went to battle every single day to reclaim personal power and regain that sovereignty over my self expression and all of the work that i have subsequently participated in either on a you know one on one capacity coaching other people through visibility or just the general conversations that i've had with my followers and my fans and my community online and how i have come across the same denominators over and over and over again And eventually, uh, it became really clear to me that I had to to start having deeper conversations around these fears that kept presenting themselves and the ways that they were sabotaging our absolute birthrights to be seen and be heard and allow ourselves to step into the realms of our fullest potential and our fullest purpose, uh, which is just not possible without access to your voice. And so I kept coming across people who were afraid of being seen. Uh, Afraid of their own success, afraid of their own happiness, uh, and afraid of loving themselves unequivocally. And throughout the last couple of months, I've really just devoted my time and energy to bringing people, I feel, a little further away from this institutionalized idea of worship and really back down to the reverence of ourselves. And um, I really, really believe in my core that everything it is that I have experienced in my life, whether that was trial or triumph, every way that I have alchemized struggle to strength, every way that I have felt squashed and often subconsciously um, did everything I could to pick myself back up again has really come from this sickness of feeling invisible and this sickness that we're all dealing with, the sickness of self-deprecation, of self-loathing, of feeling like we're broken, like we are never enough, that keeps us moving on this conveyor belt that is, is killing us. And so that's how I got to where I am today.
2: That is so powerful because, you know, I don't care who it is. I know people who have made gigantic amounts of money, as well as people who have never worked a day in their life. And every single one of them has that little voice in their head that's saying crap about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so what is the ultimate hack? To get to that success that's buried beneath all of that trash,
1: <laughs> I love it. There is an immense amount of discipline required. That is the first thing. I don't think that people understand what a ritual this has to become and what a daily practice this has to become before it can become a discipline and before it can become a, almost a non negotiable. And it, it, in my opinion, all comes from knowing what it means to feel good and what it means to love yourself unequivocally, what it means to back yourself and believe in yourself no matter what, until people actually use the sensory faculty, which is every sense available to them, um, and not just like the deprived uh, version of that sense, but I mean really truly use the barometer that's in their body, the thermometer, the compass that is designed to lead them to what feels good. Until they truly know what it means to be in a place of not feeling like their life is meaningless because everything about their existence is meaningful, they will never know what they're fighting for. And so often one of the first things that I work on with people is not even, I guess, you know, rocket signs other than do you even know what it means to feel good? And we work through a lot of processes and I bring them through the breakthrough and the breakdown. But on an individual level, that is absolutely what I'm going to implore everyone to do here today is when is the last time you actually felt good? And I'm not talking about junk food drive-through good. I'm not talking about instant gratification. I'm not talking about the liquor and the drugs and the sex and whatever it is that you use to feel good in the moment. I am talking about this full embodied sensation of being on purpose and being in flow. That is the place that you figure out what is worth fighting for. And frankly, this is the place that you fall back in love with yourself. Once you really move in a place where you are definite of that purpose, and by the way, people, your purpose will change moment to moment, day to day. You will not be the same person for the rest of your life. You have to say yes to the change. You are always changing. Once you get used to this idea of embracing that definite of purpose and you know like, okay, this is where I want to be. This is what makes me feel alive. You all of a sudden quite organically start moving into this place of Self love and self respect because the work that you are doing is being projected from a place of high frequency. You are attracting the people who need you, you are creating impact in their lives. And this creates a really amazing feedback loop where, on a subconscious level, you start to see value in your existence and who it is you are and what it is you're doing. Once you get past that self love stage, you can move into the self ownership stage. This is the place where we take full ownership of who it is we are. What it is we need, our desires, our non negotiables, our bodily autonomy. This is the place where we really know how to say yes when we mean it and when we want to say it, and no when we mean it and we need to say it. This is the place where we learn the language of our boundaries. It's where we learn the language of, I want this. I need this, and I am completely comfortable asking for it. Once you embrace the self-love and the self-ownership, this is the only way to get through to that self-actualization. In that self-actualization self-deprecation is not even a thought, I swear to you. Um, when you have moved into these realms where you make this the foundation, all of the the nonsense, the crap that fills your head, the, you know, the Jiminy Cricket who's drunk on your shoulder, who's trying to convince you that you're the devil and you're terrible, all of that becomes an afterthought. It becomes something that you almost laugh at. and And the hardest work honestly will come in the the deconditioning, the unlearning, the voices that you grew up hearing and what they said about you. And and you've got to understand that 95% of what we learn by the time we're 35 becomes our reality via learned and memorized behavior. And a lot of us spend our entire lives simply just becoming the stories that people tell us about us. And so this has to be an unlearning and it has to be a rewriting of that story. And as you rewrite that, as you become invested in your own story you really truly come to a place where you intimately know yourself and therefore love yourself by extension
2: there was so much in that that was amazing thank you my pleasure um um, so let's try to take it um simple for people who have become experts at being mean to themselves Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes Uh, yes so I bet one of the very first things you always hear is, but Angela, you don't understand what I've been through. Mm-hmm. Can mm. you answer that?
1: I will say that in a culture that is addicted to their bullshit, and I hope I can say that word here, um, addicted to their struggles and addicted to their sufferings, I am a master in um, confronting these these illusions i'm a master in confronting these disillusions and i'm only a master because i had to confront them within myself cognitive distortion is a powerful thing the excuses we feed ourselves is uh it's actually quite sobering we have all been through something the the process of life is an ebb and flow everything about us is an ebb and flow It is not possible to know your true self. It is not possible to know what you are made of or capable of. It is not possible to break through until you break down. And because so many of us are obsessed with not feeling anything because we feel that not feeling is safer, because we believe that chasing immortality and this illusion of living forever, not feeling anything and feeling safe in the process, we live in this unrealistic set of parameters and expectations that basically deadlock us to the floor in this belief that we can't move forward until we feel better. We can't move forward until our revenge or our resentment or our anger disappears. And the first thing that I will tell everybody who is experiencing this kind of reaction to what I'm sharing here today on the show, which is, but Angela, you don't know what I've been with. It is this. It is your moral obligation to move from the feeling, not move after the feeling. It is your moral obligation to move from the place that is most authentic and most angry and most hurt and most alive within yourself. Because if you do not allow your full range of emotions to be seen within your own body, how will they ever feel safe to be seen within the world? If you do not give yourself a fighting chance, at finding, what it means to be, finding out what it means to be alive and finding out what it means to be happy for you? How is it possible that anything in the world is going to happen to you that is going to fill that void in a way that feels satisfactory? This is the fact. Universe, God, religion, whatever it is you want to call it, will only meet you where you meet it. And if you stay addicted um, to the story of yourself, that story will eat you alive. And it's our commitment to stagnation that is the problem. It is not our history. It is our inability to see what future is waiting for us because we are too obsessed dwelling on what happened in the past.
2: Wow. There are some people that probably turned that off because they're not ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's so awesome. I love that so much. So um, let's talk to the bold person who didn't tune us out and is ready to well you know let's be honest we are where we it's are true, I love it. Yeah. Um, um, so for that person who's ready to boldly take a step out of their trash what is the very first step that they could turn off this you know turn off the show right now and take action on right now
1: many of us have a level of tv antenna okay let's just call it that tv antenna uh stuck at the top of our head and we have whiskers we've got the whole sensory faculty and it is constantly processing information it is taking in information energetically physically metaphysically emotionally and it is processing that information and it is reacting based on what it sees the first thing i'm going to tell you is what is around you in your life right now that is allowing you to feel the way you feel. What is around you right now that is making you feel the ways that you feel? Who in your life is enabling you to believe that you are not worthy and that you are not of value? That your happiness is not important. That your safety is not priority. That your essence, your vitality, is just not even somewhere in the uh, important enough to be somewhere in the conversation. And often you will see that one of the very first things that you can apply um, or really just quite frankly take action on in your life is the company you keep. If there are individuals around you that are the kind of company you wouldn't keep when you are on Oprah's couch, they probably should not be in your circle right now. And this is really what it comes down to. If you're bold enough to hear what I have to say right now, it's going to be, You know, what that old saying, you're the sum of the company you keep, that is absolutely true. Um, And we're hardwired to be empaths, right? We're hardwired to be compassionate. We're hardwired to feel what other people are feeling. And if we put ourselves in relationships, business partnerships, situations where the individuals around us are energetically crushing us, sucking the life out of us, making us feel defeated that is the one thing that I would take radical action on. And that is, you know, um, how can you block and delete people from Facebook right now or Instagram that you don't feel safe around? What are the ways that you can stop talking or talking less to the people in your life that you feel like your self-expression can't actually be explored around? And mark my words, if you just start taking radical action around the people who are around you, you will start to see that much like the person who is afraid of being lonely and constantly needs to be around other people in order to be distracted from that loneliness, you too will see that you are distracting yourself from feeling what it is you're meant to feel and being who it is you're meant to be. And it's really important to understand that in my opinion, loneliness is the prerequisite to leadership. And if we're talking about this self-love, the ways that radical self-love becomes possible. It has to become possible in the way we take radical responsibility in who gets to be around us in our day-to-day.
2: Perfect. I absolutely love that. So Angela, what can people do who want to dive deeper with you? How can they get in contact with you?
1: Thank you. So if anyone listening here is, um, especially the bold and the brazen and the beautiful, as you just mentioned, wants to get in touch with me or have a look at what I am up to, definitely encourage you to visit my Instagram. Um, There's a 65,000 K community there that are just absolutely stellar. And that is instagram.com forward slash the underscore Angela underscore Gallo. Alternatively, you can find me on my website at www.reverenceofself.com. This is where I make so much happen, including a multitude of online courses, many courses, visibility coaching, um, oracle cards that really exist to prompt you as you learn to worship yourself at the shrine of your potential. And then I have a multitude of other uh, things happening like events nationally and internationally. I have my own podcast, called slaying the status quo in total style, which you can also find on all major players. And aside from that, Google me, Google me. And um, it's worth knowing that 95% of people who work with me have unfollowed me three to five times. And that, that speaks volumes about the ways we avoid the inner work. And if you're ready for that level of deep excavation, I got you covered.
2: Angela, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. I do encourage everybody to be bold and reach out and see. Don't unfriend Angela. Actually get the work done.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Have an amazing day.
2: I just love when somebody comes in with some
1: powerful
2: tips on ways that we can make our life better. It's the simplest thing sometimes that really makes the biggest impact. And if you will really take and maximize today to do all that you're meant to do that you can do today. That's really all we can do. Maximize today. Make the most out of this particular 24 hours and live as a thriving entrepreneur. We're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops, you have watched as others of your friends have become a best selling author, and now it's your turn. Let me ask you this, what would being a best selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is Steve welcome back thanks for listening to thriving entrepreneur thanks for being here with us today do take me up on that offer to be able to do some work with Errol it is totally going to be worth it um, you know Now we want to move on to some of your business and your financial kind of things. There are some things that we spend our time and our money on that are not wise investments, that are not good uses of our time. They don't maximize while it's called today. So I wanted to bring to you a guest that would be able to talk to you for a few minutes and share some insights into both some things that you can hire out to have done, as well as some options for some investing that you can powerfully do that'll be great for enhancing your life and your business. The world of investing is so diverse, and then when it comes to your business and bringing investors into your business, you know, maybe you've watched shows like Shark Tank or things like that, but there's so much more that's out there in in the world when it comes to bringing an investor into your business. So to help those of you who may be contemplating that, I'm joined by an absolute expert in this field, Joe Dubay. He is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Eden, who has raised over $40 million for leading investors such as Y Combination, Fifth Wall Ventures, and several others. Join me in welcoming Joe Dubey. Hey, Joe, how are you doing today?
0: Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing well today. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, give us a little bit about your background, who you are, and what's got you to this point.
0: Yeah. So, um, my background uh, is, I guess, just to start all off, um, I I studied finance in college and accounting, and um, I started, you know, at this point, I guess my career is around. Uh, uh, it's around a little over 10 years old, um, but I, I'd worked in um, investment banking initially. So I worked for a couple of years at an, an investment bank in New York city. Um, and then uh, I had a chance to work as an investor for a few years after that, um, kind of investing in companies, which gave me a lot of insight into, you know, ultimately what an investor would care about. Um, I had a chance to go to business school um, after that, and when I was over at school, um, I really wanted to build a company. I kind of could tell that while investing was interesting, um, it felt like I would uh, just enjoy building a company more. And so um, I started working on Eden at that time. And now we've been working on it for almost five years. Um, and what Eden is, is that we're, we're a workplace management platform. And that basically means that companies use Eden to help run their office. Um, we basically have two divisions within Eden. We have a facility management uh, service which is uh, our services marketplace Eden has a couple thousand service vendors that through our company um, will get lots of work from janitorial vendors to snack vendors tech support handyman all sorts of stuff like that and office managers use our software and their account manager to help run their offices that way and then we also have uh, with Eden um, software that we sell on a SAS basis people can sign up for monthly subscriptions and that's like ticketing and visitor management and all the kind of software side you might need to run a modern office. And so we've been, we've been hammering away. Now there's around 70 of us um, and we're live across the United States and starting to launch some international markets as well. And um, as you noted, we raised $40 million from a number of leading investors and, um, and raised a, around a $25 million series B just a few months ago.
2: That's a lot of money. So um you know having been in the space during the pre dot com burst if you will yeah. um you know what is different because i know back then it was kind of how quickly can we spend the money and get more money so what's different in um the investment arena these days when it comes to bringing investors in
0: yeah i mean you can always i think you can still find examples of times where it just doesn't make any sense um just like there was in like the dot com bust days, um, I would say the biggest difference today is there's the businesses that are receiving a lot of funding. Many of them are actually um, validated. They have they have a tremendous amount of revenue. They often have really high gross margins. Some of them are cash flow positive. And I think you know our, the poster children for like a successful business now in this in the kind of the new age, that despite having a lot of funding and a high valuation, is folks like Zoom or Slack, um, businesses that have just grown revenue substantially, and, and I think are and have really high gross margins, and those are the ones that I think really have deserved their meaningful valuations. And I think at the same time, we've seen a number of businesses that were probably misvalued, um, folks like WeWork, where they're being treated like they're Revenue was, you know, SaaS, high gross margin revenue. Um, And so you still see mess ups out there from some investors. But um, I think in general, the businesses now are a lot healthier and they they really generate quite a bit of revenue and and often um, positive cash flow. So
2: what would a company who, you know, wants to be at a place where they can bring in some investors but isn't there yet, what would be the kind of things they need to do to
0: really be appealing to investors? Yeah, so I think it depends on the kind of company you want to build. So for us, we've always been very focused on building a company that could go public, um, that kind of scale. And if that, that's the kind of company you want to build, then um, you know a, a really big um, company, then there's a lot of startup investors that might be interested, especially if you, know, you should be you know, ideally using technology in some innovative way that, that hasn't been used in a certain in a certain industry. Um, and in that case, there's a whole host of seed investors and angel investors who think about kind of the early days of companies that aspire to eventually have, you know, call it over a hundred million of revenue. Um, I think for most folks that's like not really what they're trying to do. They're just trying to build a really great business that, um, that doesn't need to have that sort of crazy scale. Um, and I think that is, um, that's, that's a different path. That's, that for those kind of um, for those kind of businesses, there's actually a growing number of investors that are often called angel investors um, that are interested in investing, especially in a lot of the kind of direct to consumer type businesses. Um, and I think the way you find those folks is um, you a number of them, you know, will, will allow people to kind of apply for potential investment on their website. Um, you have to kind of Google search a lot to find out who are the people who consider themselves the domain experts. A lot of them are talking about things they like to invest in on things like Twitter. Um, And then there's a website called angel list that a lot of angel investors are on and, and you can kind of figure out which ones are looking for new investments there as well.
2: Perfect. So, you know, we keep moving forward. Technology keeps Um, keeps us on our toes is probably the best way of putting it. Um, How has technology impacted the world, especially when it comes to, um, you know, what you do with workplace management and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, so uh, it's really transformed it. Um, And I think it's, you know, on the brink of transforming it. I think a lot of industries got transformed before. A lot of things that, that touch, especially stuff that's in the consumer's life, like when you're at home, that stuff's starting to get really, modified in an amazing way from, you know, getting in an Uber when you need to get a ride to booking an Airbnb if you're a consumer to um, all the cool smart home stuff that's happening now out of Google and Amazon. Um, there's so much cool stuff that's, 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 that's ready for the consumer. And, and, it, and a lot of it hasn't really, people hadn't thought about the office and how to make the workplace experience better. I think one thing that's come out of this WeWork, you know, issue, a lot of the bad stuff with WeWork recently that's that is good is that people care a lot more about how they feel at work now. Cause folks like WeWork and some other companies have have placed a premium on your experience at the office. And as a consequence, I think now people in the in companies are starting to they're starting to increasingly have something called a workplace team or some coming together of facilities and HR where they really care about people's experience at work. And so we're starting to see a lot of demand for different kinds of software and services in the office. So, so using Eden's. Um, services marketplace, we're seeing a lot of people um, start to get things like um, catering at the office. If they're expecting people to work long hours, especially in a lot of you know urban areas, then they're going to increasingly give them food. Um, we're also seeing things like um, on the software side of what we offer, things like visitor management. They want guests to come in and have an easy way to check in and tell whoever they're visiting that they're there. Um, so we have software for that on, on an iPad app. We're also seeing folks use our ticketing tool because they want to make it so it's easier for people to kind of raise their hand and say hey um it's hot where i'm sitting or uh, the wi-fi is out or whatever that is they might need to you know be working on so in general i think there's there's a reorientation towards you know forever it was kind of like you go to work and it's and it's you know just not a good experience and i think increasingly they're saying how can we use technology um to make people have a better day at work and create a more consumerized experience when you're at the office
2: it immediately made me think of not the tv show but the movie that came before it the movie the office where the you know the guy was basically the less he did the more he got promoted Um, and you know we need to move away from that cubicle nature of you know drone workers to something where we can really impact the lives of people
0: a hundred percent a hundred percent and i think that that's really what we're that's really where the world is moving. And so we want to be a part of that solution by making it really affordable and um, accessible for people to have a better workplace experience.
2: So what are maybe like the top five or so of ways that you engage with, with companies, especially smaller ones?
0: Yeah. So smaller companies are actually like, that's our biggest audience. Um, kind of the small and medium sized business um, market. Cause we found that if you're really small, if you're just like a person or two, you're often staying in a co-working space. And if you're really, really big, um, you know, you've got a whole, you've got 15 offices or more, you often are working with one of the global real estate service companies, someone like a, you know, like a CBRE who will manage all of your offices for you. Um, But everyone kind of in between, if you've got, you know, five to 300 employees or something, they're the ones who've kind of been left out. And they're the ones who can really use Eden's marketplace of services. um, And we're seeing them use it for, you know, doing basic stuff like finding the right janitorial provider and managing that provider through our our dashboard. Um, You know, know, they're able to request various handyman services through Eden and get a TV mounted so they can have that in their office um, or even um, set up recurring fruit delivery through our marketplace. And we're also seeing them, you know, want, some basic stuff like visitor management. So they'll often want to set up through our software, a simple iPad because maybe it's too expensive to have a person at the front desk all day waiting for people to check in. And instead they'd want to use our iPad to make it easier for guests to check in, less expensive for them, um, and still have things like a non-disclosure agreement that gets signed because they care about, you know, protecting the confidentiality of their work. So there's some really small things that you can kind of get through Eden that will make your workplace run much better.
2: So what are the resistances, eh, resistances <laughs> you're running into with people um, from just adopting your services as opposed to just continuing to hire it all out themselves?
0: Yeah, so I think sometimes um, people will say, hey, I'm all set, I've got, I've got these five providers and I've and I worked with them for 20 years and, and you know, and in that case like they might not want to move it over to a software dashboard to help them manage it sometimes people just don't have you know very much need if, if they're a small enough office so we find a lot of our clients really tend to have over 30 employees when you're over 30 you tend to have a higher velocity i'd say of needs um so i, I find that to be true um I, I think uh one thing though is that when clients do come to eden we discover. I think they often find like how much simpler it is when you only have one invoice for all of your services, and when you get to start to use software to make your workplace better. Um, but sometimes it's not obvious until they try it.
2: So of course, a person can go to Eden.io and uh, choose from use your services and a whole array of things. But uh, what's something that a person who's beginning to look into this space? should do to get more information as to whether or not their company is ready to make use of services like yours.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the things that would be good to do is kind of, uh, you know, assess, um, it's worth asking your office manager or if you are the office manager worth, you know, a lot of often office managers are also the CEOs and they wear a lot of hats or, um, they, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's part of someone's job. It's, it's worth kind of checking and saying like, you know, do I feel like I'm getting the value that I expected out of the services that I'm paying for today? And if you kind of look at it and you're like, hey, that is sort of expensive what I'm, what I'm paying for today, maybe you want a more competitive offering through a marketplace like ours. Um, I think sometimes, I think another thing to gut check is, um, does our office look and feel great? Is it easy for us to hire people that we need to hire? If the answer is maybe not, then I think it's worth, you know, checking out if Eden's a good solution for you. And I think the last thing is like, it's worth considering, are you having conversations at the office that are confidential? And that would be helpful to have people sign an NDA when they walk in, a non-disclosure agreement when they walk in. And if the answer to that is yes, then, then and that's another reason to consider our visitor management software. So I think it's, it's just worth kind of doing a gut check on, are we spending a lot of money? Do we feel like we're getting a lot of value today? And um, are our basic needs being served?
2: And Joe, is the best way for people to get in contact with you to go to Eden.io?
0: Yeah, yeah. If you go to, you go to Eden, E-D-E-N.io, um, that's our website. Just put in your, your email address and your name and we'll, we'll email you right away and we can um, talk through all your options. Um, I think that's, that's probably the best way.
2: Perfect. Well, Joe, I appreciate you spending some time with us on the show today.
0: Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks so much, Steve.
2: I hope that both in contemplating bringing investors into your business in thinking about the things that you can outsource and all of those kind of things that you got the epiphany of how powerful it can be if you maximize your time. I really hope that you will do that you know Greg and I have been talking a lot lately um, about a person's um, you know really the core of who they are what is your really true definition of success Greg believes in the definition of success so much that he actually refers to it as your DOS. what is your definition of success What is your personal definition of success? If you don't know that, how do you know when you're gonna reach it, right? It's so important that we take the time that we really maximize today in spending our time going after that personal definition of success. In spending our time casting our vision to the people that work with us, Casting our vision to the people that we're meant to serve so that we're doing more, we're doing better, we're helping enhance the lives of the people that we're meant to serve. Not because we're shooting on ourselves, and you know we should share this, we should be doing these things, but simply because the inspiration, the powerful gifting inside of us has to shine out it's come through in everything you've done in your life even in the darkest of times that little seed that maybe was buried in the ground it was still there it was gaining nutrients from the soil and it was sprouting roots the little teeny tiny sprout has a whole system of life below the ground before it ever pops its head up above the dirt. It has to have enough already built before it can face the cold and scary world. Same thing is sometimes true in our own lives. We look at those darkest of moments, those times when we've been at or near virtual death. But you made it through. You're here today. You showed up powerfully in those moments, and there's somebody now who's going through that same thing, and they would love for you to share it. One of the things that I know we're all meant to do is take that seed of who we are that shows up all throughout our life and share it with the world. Take that thing that we've been through and share it with somebody else So that maybe they don't have to go through it. So that maybe they can find themselves rejoicing in a place where you found only sadness. We're meant to help one another because each of us is uniquely brilliant. We were all created for a purpose. And I want you to hear this. The world Needs you to be just you, to live out the best version of who you are. When you do that, you will soar, you will thrive, you will make the difference in somebody else's life that only you can make. We would love to see you in Best Sellers Guild. We want to rejoice with you. When that message goes out into the world, when you make the difference in even just one person's life, we want to celebrate with you as you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.